0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Call to the Bullpen. I'm your host and CSMN senior baseball correspondent, David Payne. And today we're going to be giving the first power rankings of the 2021 season and selecting the Call to the Bullpen preseason All-MLB team with CSMN baseball writer Jimmy Miller. Let's play ball. Play ball. Alright, before we dive into the fun stuff this week, let's cover some baseball current events as we always do. This is the first week of spring training games, so we got to see our favorite players back in action and got some real Major League Baseball for the first time in months. Among some of the cooler things to happen this week, and I'm a little biased as an Orioles fan, but all baseball fans should be happy for my guy Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini missed all of last season with stage 3 colon cancer. He says he feels perfect. He feels ready to go like he never missed a beat. And he showed up in his first at-bat for the Orioles this spring, got a standing ovation, and knocked a base hit to center field. So shout-out Trey Mancini. Trey is my pick for Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, He couldn't be a better dude. I was in Baltimore... Three years ago, standing outside of Camden Yards before a 7 o'clock game, and I'm, I'm there at like 12 o'clock to try and get autographs. I, I mentioned how I'm a big autograph collector, and the players show up hours and hours and hours before the game. So if you want to catch them coming into the stadium to get autographs, you got to show up early. So I'm there at like 12.30, 1 o'clock for the 7 o'clock game, and Trey Mancini's pulling his car in, and, and there's like um, I – I don't know how to describe it, but – You've all seen, like, a you know, there's a bar that goes across the before the parking garage that the operator has to push the button and let you through. So the security guard was busy talking to someone and not lifting the bar so Trey could pull his car through into the player's parking lot. And Trey's just sitting there waiting, and I'm the only one there. I'm sitting there with a ball and pen in my hand. And he didn't have to do this. He could have just sat in his car with his window up and waited for the guard to let him through, rolled his window down, called me over without me even even saying anything to him. I didn't go up to him and, and knock on his car window. He rolled the window down, called me over, signed an autograph for me, and, and went about his day once the security guard let him through. My point is, he's a fantastic dude. This is a real feel-good story. Keep an eye on Trey Mancini this year. That's my comeback player of the year. Another cool one, a guy who missed all of last year. The face of the Washington Nationals franchise, Ryan Zimmerman, returned to action, and his first at-bat back, he hit a home run, sandwiched in between home runs by Josh Harrison and Yadiel Hernandez. So his first at-bat back for the Nats, Mr. National goes back to back to back. Now, on a a less exciting, less happy note, uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone is going to miss some time. Uh, He just had a pacemaker put in. Uh, He had said that before his surgery, his heart rate had dropped down into the 30s, 30 beats per minute. Uh, The surgery went well. He's in recovery now. Um, So best wishes out to Aaron Boone and the Yankees. Uh, In the meantime, bench coach Carlos Mendoza is going to be taking over the managing duties for the Yankees. And we couldn't talk baseball and current events without talking Trevor Bauer. This is episode three. This is our third time talking Trevor Bauer. Uh, his agent, Rachel Luba, was on Starting Nine. That's Barstool's baseball podcast. And she gave a little more insight into what happened with the Mets merchandise on his website. I'm going to play this two-minute clip for you
1: guys. started getting screenshots at one point um, of uh, a link tree thing with the LFG... What is it? LFGM. I don't have any any like say control or anything to do with that stuff. That's all Trevor's marketing. Um, but we're dealing with this. So I, I just like shot up oh. next to Trevor. I was like, hey, have you seen this? What is this? And he was like, what the fuck? Um, so, you know, we get on the phone with him and he was just like, it's, it's fucking over. Like I'm done. Just like call, just call the daughters. It's done. Like I'm gonna, it's, it's gonna be the other team um the mets. Um and I I've known Char for a really long time and I and I know I just like didn't feel right about it. I called him back and I said, you know, listen, I need you to be honest with me. Like how you reacted just now, did that have anything to do with the 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 merch thing going up and that what just happened there? And mm-hmm. he was like, Yeah, but I I can't fucking i can't do that to a fan base like this decision's been made and i was like i okay i understand this is a we can figure out what just happened there like in another day or two but i need you like you will you are not making a life changing decision <laughs> on on this you're not go put your shoes on go we'll walk outside. I need you to take a walk around the block, put your, leave your phone where it is and just think. And, you know, he was like, all right, like I'll do that. And called him back like 10 minutes later. I'm like, do you have any clarity? And he was just like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, all right. So what is it? It's like Dodgers. So I'm
0: let's like, go. All right. So you have it there firsthand from her a little bit more on what happened with the whole merchandise on the website thing and how that influenced his decision. Uh, They're getting a lot of hate on Twitter for this right now, uh, saying that it was inauthentic and that they think that she's just making stuff up. Uh, Listen, like I said in the first episode, I think that the whole merch thing was a legitimate accident. I don't know if I buy the, I can't do that to a fan base thing. I don't think that that was ever said. I certainly do think that the merch being put up on his website could have caused him to make an emotional decision. And it sounds to me like he was going to and she just talked him, you know, off of a cliff. Whereas people on the internet seem to be reacting as she made the decision for him. She told him not to go to the match. She told him what to do. I don't think that's the case. To me, it sounds like he had in his head that he was favoring the Dodgers. Then the merch thing happened. He was like, screw it, uh, my hand's being forced, I have to go to the Mets now. And she was like, take a breath, and talked him down off this ledge and didn't let him make this life-changing decision of where he was going to spend the next years of his career off of an emotional decision, and let him actually do what he wanted to do. For once, I I think that Trevor Bauer is not in the news now for a bad thing, but I think that this is a good clarification uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is a good thing for them. Uh, so now, we are moving on to the very first power rankings of the 2021 season. So these are the preseason spring training power rankings. We won't do another power rankings until after the first week of the regular season has been played. After that, we will update the power rankings weekly With each episode. This is just the power rankings going into the season. And we are going to count down from number 10. So at number 10, I have the defending American League champion, Tampa Bay Rays. I think that the Rays, I said in my first episode, the Rays got worse. A couple teams passed the Rays. At number 9 is the Toronto Blue Jays, a big mover from last year. They would not have been top 10, not even top 15 last year. That's a big move up to the number 9 spot in the power rankings before the season starts for them. At number 8, the Minnesota Twins. I know I have the Twins winning the Central, but I think that's more of a chemistry, longevity issue for other teams and not a reflection on where the Twins themselves stand. I think that the Twins are, a as far as power goes, the Twins are up there in the, in the top of the league. So the Twins come in at number eight. Above the Twins at number seven is going to be the Washington Nationals. The Nats have a deadly lineup, and they have killer pitching. Watch out for the Nats. Every year I advocate for the Nationals. Every year I say the Nats are better than you think they are. Nats are better than you think. And In 2019, that paid off for me. I looked really smart in 2019, and I'm going to tell you again, the Nationals are better than you think they are. Number seven on the power rankings. And number six, the Chicago White Sox, which you may think that I would have had the White Sox and Twins switched. But again, I think the White Sox lineup is ridiculous. I think their pitching has a lot of potential. A great young team. I think that in future years, we might see the White Sox top five in the power rankings. We might see the White Sox top five of the power rankings at some point this year. Now our top five. And I think that for a lot of people, these top five are probably going to be pretty similar. At least the top two write themselves. But at number five, my guest this episode is going to like this one. Number five is the New York Mets. You can't deny that the Mets are stacked. In episode one, I went over all the positions that they have on the MLB top ten right now by position. I think they had... Almost every single position had a player in the top 10. So the Mets are a powerhouse team. But at number four, right above them, is division rival Atlanta Braves. The Braves are the fourth best team in baseball, I think, no question. I don't think that the top four in any order are up for debate. I think number four in the power rankings is the Braves. Number three... And this will also make some of my colleagues at CSMN happy. The New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are a good ball club. The Yankees are a powerful ball club. Even though they play in that little sandbox in the Bronx with 314 foot fences. The Yankees are a powerhouse team. Before number two, you have a gap the size of New England. There's a New England sized gap here. And then the Padres. I mean, there's... There's 15 miles between these two teams here. Then you have the Padres at number two. The Padres are by far the second team in baseball. It's unfortunate for them that they have to deal with the in-division opponent that they have, stopping them from being the number one team in that division and in baseball. And of course, without question from anyone, add another 50 miles in, in between them. And then you have number one in the power rankings. The L.A. Dodgers. Absolutely stacked from top to bottom. You got Mookie. You got Belly. You brought back Justin Turner. You got Walker Bueller. Clayton Kershaw. Dustin May. Corey Seager. This is the best team in baseball. This is the team that will be at the top of the power rankings every single week. I'm calling it now. Unless an asteroid hits North America. The Dodgers are going to be at the top of the power rankings every single week. There is no team in the same league as them. They are playing chess while the rest of the league is playing checkers. They are that good. So it's Dodgers versus Asteroid at this point. Now that we did the power rankings, we are going to bring in our guest, CSMN baseball blogger Jimmy Miller, to discuss some of his blogs and talk about our preseason all MLB team. What's up, Jimmy?
2: How's it going? I'm excited to uh, be a guest.
0: Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you here. So a little bit about Jimmy. Jimmy, you graduated in, in December, right?
2: Yep, yeah, just graduated.
0: Jimmy went to MCLA with myself and our founder, Kyle Milligan. He was on the ball team with us, so that is how I know Jimmy. I know Jimmy is a diehard Mets fan, isn't that right?
2: Yep, that's that's right.
0: And if you are also a Mets fan, you should go on capitalsportsmn.com, find Jimmy's blogs, and check out his blog on Francisco Lindor. It's a fantastic read on things to expect from Francisco Lindor. But one of your blogs that I want to talk about real quick relates to my topic last week, which was our Hall of Fame ballot. Jimmy was one of the 13 baseball writers at CSMN that got a Hall of Fame vote when we did our CSMN Hall of Fame last week. So, Jim, do you want to let everyone know who you voted for?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, I did not pick 10 people, you know, which is the maximum you could have on the ballot. I found seven people that I felt were the most suited. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Jeff Kent's kind of an underdog, but he's probably one of the best uh, offensive second basemans ever. Omar Vizquel, you know, wizard with the glove. Billy Wagner, probably the best left-handed reliever of all time, in my opinion. And lastly, Todd Helton.
0: Yeah, we have a lot in common there with our ballots. I think you only have one guy who I didn't vote for. So I think that's a really solid ballot. And if you want to hear more about Jimmy's reasoning behind each of his picks, uh, he's going to be posting a blog, again, on capitalsportsmn.com, about his ballot, uh, just like I did, detailing who he voted for and why he voted for them, if you want a more in-depth look at his ballot. Now, an- another thing that we were very similar on in our opinions was you did a blog on your off-season winners, and you had the Padres, Dodgers, Mets, Braves, and Blue Jays. I think the only difference in our winners was that I didn't have the Braves as a winner. I had the Yankees instead, but I agree with you also that the Braves were a winner. So we're, we're kind of on the same page there, but tell me a little bit more about your Braves pick there.
2: You know, I was just impressed with how they were able to get Morton and um, Ozuna uh, to re-sign. With the Yankees, I just feel like, you know, there's a lot to ask from Kluber. Tyons has injuries. And, you know, I don't know. I I just feel like, you know, they did make some good moves. But getting DJ really didn't make them any better than they were last year, as they did have them last year. So, to me, yeah, they they made some notable moves. But, um, yeah, they have the pitchers they did get, the couple pitchers, you know, they could be – You know, boom or bust, you know, depending on if they hurt or not. I just felt like the Brave signings were more consistent and they're more durable.
0: Yeah, I think I I totally agree with you. And I believe Marcelo Zuna had not re-signed yet at the time of my winners and losers. So I'm not saying that that would have changed my rankings, but maybe it would have. Because bringing back Ozuna was a huge move for them and I'm I'm a big fan of the Charlie Morton move especially giving some young pitchers like Ian Anderson a chance to study under a veteran guy like that. Yeah, so I'm am a big fan of that Braves pick. Now, you're a Mets fan and we're talking about the Braves, but how you feeling about the Mets going into this season?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as I said before, I think it was a great off season, you know. I think some people had unrealistic expectations for Cohen, you know, in the free agent market, you know. But, you know, from the start, you know, he said he was going to make some more calculated moves, and he did so. You know, he filled the pen depth, Trevor May, you know, Aaron Loop, and they got their hopeful, you know, franchise guy in Lindor shortstop. You know, with the underrated addition of fresco with that deal, I thought he didn't give up too much, you know. I liked Ahmed Rodaro, but, you know, he's not kind of a big like on-base guy. And, you know, I was impressed with Jimenez, but we'll take Lindor for sure, and... Uh, yeah, they got a great two-starter in uh, Carrasco and, you know, great depth moves, you know, in Jonathan Villar, Kevin Pilar, and Jose Martinez. And, you know, Tywin Walker was a late, good signing, good 4-5 starter. You know, their, their bullpen's looking shaky. You know, I don't trust Familia that much. Diaz, you know, it's really hard to get your trust back after that 2019. But, but yeah, you know, they nice got too. depth. You know, they're their starting rotation. You know, if one guy goes down, you know, we got Syndergaard coming back, throwing as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident.
0: Yeah, it must have been a really exciting offseason as a Mets fan to finally get that transfer of ownership from the Wilpons and get a guy in there who's saying things like, if I don't win a World Series in the next, what was it, five years, I consider buying this team a failure. How much does that fire you up to hear from your owner?
2: Yeah, it definitely gets me excited. Um, You know, the Wilpons didn't really do much for the Mets. You know, their signings, you know, Jason Bay, was a big signing, didn't work out, but um, yeah, they're they're not they they weren't really too active on the free agent market, and it's it's not to say that um Cohen really was, but you know he made good moves, he made smart moves, and uh, I expect a lot, you know, going into the future years.
0: Yeah, he certainly made a splash. Now I gotta ask you because this is a, a hot topic with Mets fans. What do you think about the black jerseys? Do you want the black jerseys back?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the black jerseys. I have a Tom Glavin black jersey that I, I love wearing it man you know i'm a big big black jersey guy and i saw something on twitter that uh, i was on the bauer train for a while and i really wanted bauer and they would have like a maybe like a friday night bauer outage everybody wears the black jerseys that would have been a really cool concept not not good luck there but uh yeah you know i'm, I'm definitely big on the black jerseys
0: i'm a big black jersey guy i if if they do bring the black jerseys back i'm gonna have to get a marcus stroman black jersey because he was he he was the one who was pushing for him. If they get him back, he's instrumental in getting them back. And I was he number 0 now too, right? Yes. That's yeah. fire. That's sick. I would definitely <laughs> have to get a black Strowman 0 jersey. Uh, but yeah. you just mentioned Bauer. What do you think of all the beef with Bauer and and Stroman and Cindergard? What do you what do you make of that? Are you cuz you said you were on the Bauer train. You wanted Bauer for a little while. What do you think about him now? You know, it's.
2: It, I think it's just the way baseball is. You know, the way you know big free agents, you know, kind of market themselves. And you know, I mean, lo- looking back, I shouldn't have been so confident on Bauer because I, when you have Degrom, you know, who I think is the best pitcher in baseball, you know, I imagine him uh, Bauer coming in making what four or five million dollars, you know, annually more than more than Degrom does. That would kind of be a slap in the face, but to uh, Degrom. But you know, I'm. You know, I'm I'm over it now. You know, it would have been nice to have you know with Degrom, Bauer, and Carrasco. You know, one, two, three. But but I'm I'm confident rotation wise, we get we got our options.
0: What do you think about the merch thing that happened on his website? Do you think that that was genuinely an accident, or or do you think screw him?
2: No, I, I agree. I feel like that's that's bound to happen. You know, I definitely think it was an accident. I don't think he uh really intentionally meant to do that, but I could see why that would kind of feed into you know Cindergaard and, you know, the, the other Mets guys kind of coming after him, you know, they thought he was going to go there, but, you know, this is what it is.
0: Yeah, either way, it's going to be super exciting when we get L.A. and New York squaring up. And I hope that we get some late September and possibly even October matchups to those two teams. That would be really fun. So now that we did a little Mets talk, let's jump into the preseason all MLB team. So I have right here the team that I made, the official call of the bullpen preseason all MLB team and Jimmy brought his own preseason all MLB team and we're going to go position by position and compare and maybe I'll throw up on my Instagram story a little vote and people can vote which team they think is better Uh, so we're going to do the preseason one right now and the whole point of the preseason one is kind of guessing who is going to be on our end of the season final 2021 all MLB team we're also going to do a mid-season one, which is going to be like our all-star team, we'll call it. Uh, but for the purpose of this one, since we don't have any games in the books yet, we're going to try and predict who's going to be on the end-of-the-year final all-MLB team. Let's kick it off with catchers. I'll go first. I think this one writes itself. I've got JT Realmuto. Who you got, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, I got Rio muto as well. Yep.
0: And... The next one we'll do, we'll hop over to first base now. We'll just go numerically, you know, the way the numbers work with catcher is two, first base three. We'll hop around numerically like that. First base, my brother's jaw is going to hit the floor on this one because this is a guy that I talk a lot of shit about. But prove me wrong last year, and I cannot deny his numbers, Luke Voigt is all MLB preseason team. How about you?
2: You know, I got Freddie Freeman. Um you know, coming off the incredible year, you know, it's not a huge home run guy, but it's shown, you know, spike in power, you know, 38 bombs in 2020 or 2019 and was on pace for 35 in 2020. And he's got the great, you know, 1.102 OPS. So, you know, I, I got to give him the nod there. I, I, I really like what he does.
0: Yeah, it's tough to deny the reigning NL MVP at first base. I think that I, I was not a big Luke Voigt guy. And I'm still not completely sold on him, but he he mashed the ball last year, so I'd like to see what he does. And my Yankees fans are also going to be happy with my second base pick. My all-MLB team's second baseman is DJ LeMahieu. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I got LeMahieu as well. You know, production for a second baseman is insane. He was off to a great spring training start, you know, 500 batting average, you know, 556 on base, small sample size, but led the league last year, you know, the AL and on base average and OPS. So, you know, it's crazy for a, for a second baseman
0: and second base is a really thin position in major league baseball right now. There's not that many superstar standout second basemen. I mean, Altuve yeah. is a name that comes to mind immediately, but he's certainly fallen out of favor in recent years. Uh, so I think LeMahieu the big pick here for, for pretty much everyone. I don't see anybody who could stand toe to toe with him at second base. I
2: I was thinking McNeil as a Mets fan, but uh, Lemayhew definitely took over.
0: Yeah, McNeil is definitely in that top tier of second baseman for sure. MLB top 10 right now at second base had him high up there too. Um, But hopping over now to third base, this is a stacked position, and you could go any way here. For my all-MLB team, I've got to go with a guy who was third in NL MVP voting last year. My guy Manny Machado. Who do you got?
2: I actually have a sleeper here in Nolan Arenado. You know, coming off a down year, but um, he's probably the best defensive third baseman in the NL, if not the MLB. And I really expect him to have a bounce back year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll get into my thoughts on Arenado some other time. I think Arenado's a baller. Uh, I think he plays the game hard. I. I just don't know how a full year outside of course field is going to impact him. If you, and this wasn't the case with DJ, right? DJ splits, and and you kind of could tell DJ was going to be a good guy outside of course field because his splits were not crazy. I know, like, the, the course field effect is talked about maybe a little too much, and we sometimes use it to discount certain players' abilities. Nolan Arenado's splits are astounding. At home, at Coors Field, Nolan Arenado was the best of the best, the cream of the crop. Away from Coors Field, Nolan Arenado was just pushing league average offensively. So I don't want to completely discount him yet, and I think he's a baller, and I think he plays the game hard, and I think he represents the game well. I would just would like to see what a full year without 81 games at Coors Field looks like for Nolan Arenado and maybe get a better look at the actual talent level there. Um, but I think that that's a, a really good pick for a third base there and, and such a crowded position with a lot of talent there. Now we'll hop over to shortstop, and I already did a pair of teammates with first and second base with Voight and Lemayhew. And I'm going to go with another pair of teammates here. Just did Machado at shortstop. You guys already know I'm super big on Fernando Tatis Jr. Shortstop's another stacked one. Do you agree or disagree, Jim?
2: Yeah, I actually agree with this one. Um, he did have a bad second half of 2020, but I mean, that, that's 30 games, you know, in the normal 162-game season. That would just be considered, you know, kind of a slump. You know, he's a dynamic player, you know, both sides of the ball. And given how much, you know, has kind of fallen off in the past two, three years, you know, I got to give it to Tatis.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised you didn't go with your boy Lindor there. I w- wouldn't have had much to argue with that. I think Lindor's a real solid guy. But I'm glad we're on the same page with Tatis. I'm glad everyone is kind of on the same page with Tatis. I don't see him getting any hate, really. I don't see anyone saying overrated. I don't see anyone saying overpaid. I think everyone's on the same page that this dude is a stud. Now, we'll hop out to the outfield. And I think the outfield might write itself, just looking at the outfield. I'm not sure if we're on the same page here or not. But uh, For left field, I got to go with the young stud, childish Bambino, Juan Soto. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I got Soto as well. I I think he's the best pure hitter in baseball. You know, the league, the NL on average, on base, slugging, OPS. You know, his defense is iffy, but his offensive production more than makes up for it.
0: It's just insane to think that he's what you're a year older than me. So he would be your age.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's crazy that he's the the probably the best pure hitter in baseball at our age and he's he's just tearing up the major leagues. Good for him, man. He's going to be he's going to be on the all MLB teams for a long time. If we're lucky enough to keep doing this pod for years and years Juan Soto's name is going to be there for years and years. He is so good and so young. Do we do we need to say center field?
2: We, no, I would imagine we both have. We, we both Mike have Trout Mike there. Trout there. Mike
0: Trout's <laughs> the clear center fielder, right? I don't think that yeah, one needs sure. any explanation. Um, I think that if you did, if you pulled a hundred people on who the all MLB center fielder is, all one hundred without even having to think about it, would say Mike Trout. I don't think there's any argument there. At How about right field, though? I am going Mookie Betts in right field. I think this guy has potential to win the NL MVP this year. I think that Mookie Betts is an absolute star in L.A. I think that that is his team in L.A. Uh, But right field is another position where there's a lot of good guys, uh, especially in the National League. The National League is stacked with right fielders. So who is your all MLB right fielder?
2: I went with Betts as well. You know, I think he's the best all-around player in baseball. You know, he finished second MVP voting last year, which, you know, he won the Gold Glove and Silver Slugger. That would have been incredible for him to win all three in the same season.
0: Yeah, and and we're going to move to DH now. And DH is just any hitter. It doesn't have to be a DH type like Nelson Cruz. It could be any hitter who didn't make it, you know, at, at number one at their position, but you think deserves a spot on the team. And I just mentioned how stacked the National League was with right fielders. And I've got a guy on here at DH that plays right field in the National League that I just watched in his first spring training at bat hit an oppo taco bomb. I'm talking about Bryce Harper. Who is your DH? I
2: actually went with Luke Voigt. Um, You know, he's a terrific hitter. You know, he's got the power. He's playing in New York. Um, I just think he's very attractive to the you know new york yankees fan base and i expect him to continue the upwards trend. you know even though he's getting a little older
0: yeah that was my first baseman so of course i like that pick now for starting pitching we don't have a whole rotation we picked one starting pitcher and i need to stay true to my predictions from episode one my starting pitcher on the all mlb team is my pick for nl cy young you darvish who is yours
2: as a Mets fan, I'm biased, you know, I went to DeGrom. You know, he's getting older, but we saw a big velocity jump in 2020, which is incredible. And uh, he's got some help in the rotation now with Carlos Carrasco and Stroman coming back. So, you know, there should be less stress on him, which, you know, I'm very happy to see.
0: You said you're biased, but I don't I don't attribute that to bias. I attribute that to him just being the best pitcher on the planet. It's plain and simple. There's no doubt about it. There's no pitcher that is better than Jacob DeGrom right now. and And it's the obvious pick. And I would have gone Jacob deGrom had I not already committed to you, Darvish, for Cy Young. And if we're predicting who we think is going to be on our end-of-season team, i got to go with my, my pick and stick with my guns there. Now, we have a closing pitcher spot, and this can really – it should be a relief pitcher spot, we'll call it, because um, it could be any reliever. Just who's going to be the best reliever this year. And I'm going with a guy who just signed a big free agent deal with the Chicago White Sox, uh, the new closer in Chicago, Liam Hendricks. Who do you got?
2: You know, I was thinking Liam Hendricks, but I, I got to go with, you know, my Mets guy and Edwin Diaz. You know, we saw some uh, some great improvements in 2020 you know, with the slider movement. The strikeouts are still there. It's just got to get the walks down. And, you know, if he could repeat what he did in 2018, that would be incredible.
0: I would love to see a bounce-back year from Edwin Diaz because he was really, really dominant in Seattle before that trade. Like, he was possibly the best reliever in baseball when he was in Seattle, and something just fell apart when he went to the Mets. But I would love a bounce-back year from him. And I think that the Mets could really use a bounce-back year from him and really have a dominant force at the back end of the bullpen to match all the dominant forces they have in the starting rotation. So I think that would be a really good one. I went with Liam Hendricks just because he he has a track record of being a top guy in the league. And today I saw on Twitter the White Sox posted a picture of him batting gloves on. I think he had eye black on. He had a batting helmet on. And they called him their new DH. So maybe I should put Liam Hendricks in my DH spot and find another closing pitcher. Just to recap, the official... Preseason All-MLB call-to-the-bullpen team. Catcher, J.T. Realmuto, First base, Luke Voigt. Second base, D.J. LeMahieu. Third base, Manny Machado. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. Left field, Juan Soto. Center field, Mike Trout. Right field, Mookie Betts. D.H., Bryce Harper. Starting pitcher, Hugh Darvis. And closing pitcher, Liam Hendricks. Now, if you ask me, that team breaks the all-time wins record. That team is stacked. That team is the preseason all MLB team here at Call to the Bullpen. Jim, thank you for coming on, dude. This is a blast to talk talk shop with you, man.
2: Yeah, man, no problem. was a real pleasure coming on. You know, I hope to you know come on in the future and talk baseball. You know, excited for the season to start.
0: Yeah, Jimmy is going to be a regular guest here. Jimmy is pumping out fantastic blogs all the time on our website at capitalsportsmn.com. Jimmy, go ahead, plug your Instagram handle.
2: It's at underscore Jimmy Miller.
0: (laughs) Plain and simple, at underscore Jimmy Miller. Again, find his blogs on the website. He's got some good ones. He's got his Hall of Fame one coming out. This kid is a baseball blogging protege. For us at CSMN. Thanks, Jim, for coming on.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of you for listening. This is a bit of a shorter episode this week, but we will be back at it again next week. I hope that you will all come back. Thank you to Bobby, my editor. Thank you to Kyle for making this all possible. And we will see you guys next week here at Call to the Bull. What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle Milligan, founder of CSMN. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Capital Sports Mn and find all of our content on our website at capitalsportsmn.com. Peace out, everyone. God bless.